family go through the whole Bible in a year. And uh, this, the program, the Bible engagement program, is, is all found on an app. And so if you've got your smartphone, go ahead and get it out. And if, you, if, you haven't, if you're just hear, hearing about it now or you don't have a smartphone, we've got some paper copies that are right behind Rosie on that shelf there. And if you need a paper copy because you don't have this on your phone yet, just raise your hand. Lola, it looks like she'll pass them out to you if you want a paper copy of what we're going to talk about today. So the Bible Engagement Project is, is also, it's, it's aligned for age groups so that right now Jennifer Howard is teaching our critters, which is our preschool kids, the same material that we're going to be talking about today, just in a little bit simpler level. We're going to be starting at Genesis, obviously, the first book of the Bible. And today we will start out at Genesis chapter 1 and 2 in just a few moments. Um, if you've got your app on your phone, you can turn to it. I'm going to turn to mine. There it is. And so the Bible Engagement app comes up, and you want to click on Library on the far left. And it'll say, listen in community. And you want to go, you want to go to hit next until you hit listen, volume one, session two. Last week we did session one. This week we're going to do God is my creator, session two. And the cool thing about this material is that we do this meeting here, we do the introduction each week of the topic and then on your own, you can do personal devotions that take about five to ten minutes, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And it's Brooke and I have started doing these, so you get into a rhythm. And this way, everybody is, gets a chance to kind of go through together through the main themes of the Bible in a year's time. They call it Listen this first year because it's all about kind of an introduction where we're listening to what God is saying and, and asking God to speak to us and for us to have a heart to listen to him. Oh, one brief announcement that I forgot. It was staring me in the face. Um, this is the last Sunday that we can receive people's applications for membership if you want to vote on February 5th. So you need to get those in today or tomorrow because you've got to have at least two weeks, and we're having a board meeting next Sunday to approve the uh, applications for new members. So please uh, do that if you're uh, considering doing that. So if you're watching online today, because we're on Facebook Live and we also stream on YouTube, or, show, or we play the videos on YouTube, what we're going to do is this, when we go through this subject, it's more interactive than normal sermons. So I'm going to stop periodically, ask a question, and you guys are going to work on that question, answering that question. And if you're online or watching online today, that's the time for you to grab your piece of paper and a pencil or pen, or use your cell phone, open it to a note, and write down answers so that you can follow along. When we do that, we're going to pan the camera to the screen where I have the question in big letters so that people that are watching online can follow us. So if, if this is all kind of new. We're all kind of learning how to do this together, but I think it's going to yield great, great results as we go along together. So my, my desire is that everybody 
would eventually have downloaded the app and can follow along. And again, all the curriculums for the youth group and everything, they're all tracking these same scriptures as we go along through the Bible together. How many of you have ever read the Bible all the way through? Anybody? Gosh, that's probably about a third of us. That's great. So this is the first time for a whole bunch of you that you get to actually touch on at least all the major themes of the Bible and books of the Bible as we go through together. So it'll be challenging because there are parts of Scripture that are very, very challenging. But I'm excited about doing this. So, All right, we're ready to get going. And I think everybody got a copy of the paper product if you don't have it on your phone and want to follow along there. Okay, um, and again, if you have not registered and you want to get the app, I have to invite you or one of our leaders has to invite you. So let me know, text me, tell me, call me, say, hey, I want to get the app, so please invite me and I'll send you out an, an app and you just respond to the invitation. I'll send you out the invitation. All right, so this morning, we're gonna, the, the topic is our journey begins. Now we're talking about our journey personally with the Lord as well as we're talking about God as our creator. And it's really the journey of mankind. We're talking about it starting back in Genesis. So what I want you to do is to get into groups of three or four maximum. Maximum three or four people. You might want to just turn to your neighbor, whoever's close to you. If you're by yourself, go find somebody to sit next to. And if you have got somebody that's got the got this on the app it's kind of nice because they can just show you how they how they're doing it but we're going to be you're going to be answering some questions in just a couple of minutes and that's why you need to get into a group of three or four people okay it looks like you guys are kind of looking around so jennifer you need to find somebody to sit by <laughs> there's some really friendly people around here jennifer right francisco <laughs> all right How many of you know that Genesis is a very controversial book in our culture these days? Because Gen Genesis, the book of Genesis, gives us a narrative for why we are here that is, in, unfortunately, in contradiction to what our secular culture, our non-Christian culture, is, is telling us. And if your kids are going to grade school, junior high, or high school, are they getting anything that sounds like what we're going to talk about? No, they're getting an evolutionary, a humanistic evolutionary narrative of how the world came about and how we came about. And this is a big subject, and that's why it's incredibly appropriate for kids, teenage kids, to be in this room today because we're talking about some subjects that you're, you're going to have questions about because you've been, you've been told that, that the Bible is an irrelevant ancient document. You've been told that, that God is a myth, a myth possibly, or at least that he's not involved in, in our personal lives. And so this is really important. But the narrative that God speaks to us is that our God is the almighty God who created the heavens and the earth. He created sun, moon, and stars, plants, animals, and people. And you and I were created in his image. None of the animals were. But he says specifically, he says it twice, that you and I are created in God's image. In other words, we are like God in, in some ways. 
I'm not saying that we are God. We are a creation, but we are like God in many ways. And that's something that we can explore as we go along. God lovingly designed us with a unique plan and a purpose for our lives. The evolutionary narrative is all random chance and accident. And that there is no morality, really, except what people choose to individually, subjectively uh, take hold of. The evolutionary scenario, there's really no standard for, for what is right and what is wrong, except for what benefits a person or doesn't benefit a person. This is why we ended up with things like the Holocaust and World War II and many of the other tragedies we see because people become a law unto themselves. But when we realize that God has created us and we receive that truth, that God has truth, that God has standards for us, then it changes everything and we begin to realize there's an accountability that we, and we have to choose to live our lives in a way that actually brings life to ourselves and others as we walk with God. God is the ultimate creator. We are his crowning creation. So I'm going to start off with a question. When you were growing up, what were you taught at school about how the world began? And what were you taught at home? So go ahead and turn to your group. You've got a few minutes to answer this question. And our screen is going to be pointed to the, to the next slide, which is that same question, much bigger. There it is. So are you able to move the, the camera over to that, Brett? Awesome. So if you're at home, now's the time to get your pen and pencil out if you're watching this video and work on this question or questions. Okay. The reason we went with groups of three or four is so you, everybody in the group would have a chance to at least offer a brief answer. So hopefully you did. We're going to be moving along in a bit of a clip so we get done in a timely way. And so that's why I may not give you as much time as you'd like to have to answer these questions. But you can always pick these questions up with your friends after the service and keep talking. Right? Okay. So when you first open the Bible, the first thing we, we read is this phrase, in the beginning, in the beginning. And they're actually, the, it's a beginning that includes the beginning of our universe, the beginning of God's revealing himself as creator and ultimately the redeemer, the one that, that paid for us to be uh, brought back to him. And it's the beginning of your story and my story, actually all incorporated in this beginning. 
So we're going to watch a little video. And uh, can you work on that? We can always play a little bit later if you can't get it up, Dale. But the, but the video talks about this. And so if we don't uh, get it up right away, we'll show it just a little bit later. So we've got a second question if they're working on the video. Again, you can be in your groups here, and don't worry about the slide on this one if it doesn't come up immediately. Do you agree that everyone has been created with purpose? Why or why not? Tell your group. under Bible Engagement Project. You just got to get to... Okay. It's fun hearing people talk. Did you guys realize that as recently as 100 years ago, only 100 years ago, most secular or non-religious scientists believed that the universe had a beginning, or excuse me, did not have a beginning or an end. They believed in something that was called the steady state, as if the universe had always existed. To them, there was no beginning. So what happened? Albert Einstein brought in, brought in in the early 1920s, 30s, the general theory of relativity and explained something called the Big Bang. And all the science flipped over immediately to believing that there had to be a beginning. Now, that was a pretty cool thing. And if, even if we don't believe necessarily that it's the Big Bang, that started everything, at least we know that science now has realized there had to be a beginning. It's fun watching the, the uh, new uh, James Webb uh, telescope that's out in space now and sending back these pictures. They are plumbing the far, far uh, history of our, of our galaxy and sending back these pictures. And, and I've got a feeling they're going to find more and more evidence of what um, the Lord has been doing and has done in our history. All right. When the Bi let's read what the Bible says in the beginning. And so if you've got your Bible, turn to Genesis 1, 1 through 10. And in your groups, each person read a few verses out loud to each other, okay? Genesis 1, verses 1 through 10, either on your phone or on a Bible, okay?
if you're watching online, I hope you have your Bible out and you can follow along with us. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Okay, this is fun watching everybody that's starting to get caught up and using the app. Okay, so God creates the universe in these first, ver first verses of Genesis chapter 1. Earth is described as a dark, lifeless, water-covered planet in the second verse. Note the hovering presence of God's Spirit over the surface of the Earth's waters. What follows in the next verses is a thoroughly remarkable description of the creative genius of God. Only he could cause the earth's surface to take shape and thrive with life. So here's another question for you. And I know these guys are working on getting uh, the questions and the video up on that. So the question is, and for you, if you're watching online, listen carefully. As you watch these days of creation unfold, what is the most fascinating thing to you? What is it that catches your attention? When you, when you watch these days of creation unfold one by one. Yeah, tell your group. I'll tell you one little fun thing. The sun is created after a whole bunch of other things. Hey, Seuss, how are you guys doing back there getting that video up? You got it? Okay, they're going to turn the volume up. Here's the video clip. Up my Go ahead and move the camera garden. to it too, Brett. He spent a lot of summers running around in that garden. There was strawberries and green beans, potatoes and corn. There were even a hive of honeybees at the back of the property. My grandpa used to offer me 25 cents for every bird and 50 cents for every rabbit that I would catch in his garden. I would run up and down the rows and never caught a single one. But I sure chased a lot of them away and now realize I was basically working for free. But I loved that garden and I loved growing up in it. I sometimes think of that garden when I read that God's culminating creative act was a garden with a man and a woman created and placed at the center of it. God created a garden. 
and the first man and woman were given the task of caring for it and for the animals that roamed there. That image is so different than the creation accounts of other civilizations. I remember in college taking a Western civilization class and reading some of them. There were stories of the gods creating humans to work as their slaves. There were others about creation emerging from the slain body of the gods. In others, it presents creation as the chance collision of forces in the midst of empty chaos. But the Bible's creation story is so profoundly different. The earth begins dark, empty, formless. But the Holy Spirit was present, hovering over a world that would soon change. God speaks order, and creation responds. He is a God who creates with intention, with purpose. His word commands each element of a culminating series of creation days. Light, water, land, stars, life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God would go on to separate the water, the land, and the sky. He filled those spaces with vegetation, fish, birds, trees, and snow-capped mountains, breaking ocean shores set beneath the setting sun and rising morning lights. The ocean and the skies were teeming with living creation and the land was populated with every kind of animal. God saw that it was good, but he had one more creative act left before he rested. God made humanity. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, male and female, he created them. Unlike the animals that filled the earth, humans, God's image bearers, were given a task then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. I can't help but see my grandparents, side by side, dirt on their hands, planting and harvesting, and the joy of sharing in that work together. Their lives somehow still connected to that first couple's purpose. Purpose may be the oldest of human questions, but there's so many times in life that it can all feel so random, so lacking in purpose. Why are we here? And why does it matter? And what am I supposed to do with it? We aren't the first to feel it, to search for it. But the Bible won't let us read past the first pages of Scripture without insisting that it is there. It has always been there. God creates with purpose. And he calls us into lives of purpose. So what do we do with it? What is our responsibility as image bearers of God, as created by God? What does it mean to be gardeners in this garden of God's creation? Listen. starting every year reading Genesis 
and uh, it just continues to reveal the heart of God and that he created us in his image, male and female. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. So the six days, these first six days, provide a chronological order to things that happened. At least that's the way it appears to be. First the sea and the air and, and then the land. And God, but it's interesting how he creates the, the, the light, the sun and the moon and the stars further on. So it's, it's like there must have been God provided light before that actually came to be. So turn to one of your friends there and say, share what is your favorite part of the creation story? What's maybe the favorite day? Go to the next slide, Dale. Everyone that has a big slide that follows it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, keep going. And, and, and another next one. Keep going. Let's answer this question, too, that we have on the screen. If you could ask God any question about how or why he created the world, what would it be? What would it be? Talk to your group. If you could ask God any question. Now, this next question, I'm going to just ask a couple of you to just, to just to shout out a couple answers, okay? So what does it tell you about God, the creator, to know that he's provided all these things for us at the very beginning? What does that tell you about who God is? Yeah, that he loves us, he cares about us. Anybody else? Incredibly detailed. I've heard that if, if, if this atmosphere was like a few degrees hotter or a few degrees cooler, it could barely sustain life. Uh, Peggy's husband, John, gave me a really cool book by Dr. Hugh Ross that talks about 
this incredible planet that we live on. And there's like hundreds of little teeny things that if any of those variables were different, we couldn't sustain life. Just an amazing thing. And it should, it should also affect how you are able to trust God today, right? Right now. He's the same God that set this up for you to thrive on this planet. That's such an amazing thing. that Dead Sea is quite a contrast. When you compare that to the Sea of Galilee, where it's teeming with life, the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea's also got a few other lessons for us. It's an example of what happens when we are filled up and we never give anything away. We end up being dead. And the life, there's no life coming out of us. All right, let's, t- let's take a look at this idea of being created in His image. Again, in verses 26 through 31, so at the pinnacle of God's creation, he creates human beings. And um, we're, they're created in God's image. And he creates them in his image this way. Male and female, he created them. So what does that tell you about God that he created human beings, both male and female? Talk to your group for a second. Okay, let's keep going. So, our being created in His image means we are designed to know and relate specifically and personally to God. He created us in a way that we could have a relationship with Him. We're created with spiritual natures that permit us to reason, to make choices, and to know and love God. So, what do these verses show us about how God values us? He made you specifically to know Him. So what does that tell you about your value? Think about that a minute. Wow. Let's go forward a little bit and look at man's first breath. In uh, chapter 2, verses 7 through 9 and verses 15 through 20. Although the creation of human beings is is talked about in chapter 1, it gets a lot more specific and zooms in in chapter 2 reveals a lot more detail. Look how God formed Adam and breathed the breath of life into him. In verse 7, Adam's portrayed here as distinct from the animals. He uniquely bears God's image and partners with God in his mission on earth. How does that differ from what evolution is teaching our kids? Are they teaching us, does evolution teach us that we are distinct from the animal kingdom? No, we're just an extension of animal life. This is a big issue, especially for our young people. And then God puts this tree in the garden and gives us a choice. It's the only commandment that he gives 
that has any kind of a limitation. He says, please don't eat from this one tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not the tree of good and evil. It's the tree of knowledge or experiencing good and evil. That's in verse 9. That's the first reference to evil in, in the whole Bible. So the next question is, how do you see others or yourself struggling with good and evil? Talk to your group for a minute. How do you see other people struggling or yourself with good or evil? One more slide. There it is. Not too many people struggling with evil. That's good. <laughs> I'm being funny. Okay, we're going to move on. In Genesis 2, 20 through 25, 21 through 25, we, we see the creation of woman. We might, uh, us husbands ought to say to our wives, that's the pinnacle of God's creation, right? So, so Adam, God stresses that Adam is alone and that's not a good thing. So God creates a woman, and Eve was created from his Adam's side to be at his side. The Hebrew word for woman there is azer konegdo. It's two words, and one of the words, azer, means help. It's the same word that is used of the Lord, that the Lord God is our help in Psalm 33, verse 20. Eve is not correctly called a helper in the original Hebrew. The word there is, is uh, ezer konegdo. It's a suitable or complementary partner is a better translation of that word. It's someone who stands side by side, and it was actually used to describe David and his armor bearer, that they fought together side by side in the, in the wars against the Philistines. So this, the Old Testament or the King James Version there where it calls a, uh, calls a woman a helper meet for Adam, it's just the language doesn't carry the meaning of what it really means. It really means a partner who is actually created to stand alongside and not to be subservient to her husband. There was not a need for submission to one another until after the fall. Up to that point, Adam and Eve were called to walk together in partnership. The Hebrew concept of one flesh means an inseparable, closely held union of a man and woman at every level of human intimacy. The next question is, how have you seen the biblical view of marriage being challenged in the secular culture today? Talk to your group. How have you seen that challenged?
I so appreciate what the Bible teaches us about humans being created in God's image, male and female. Did you guys catch that God is both male and female? How could he create somebody in his image, male and female, if his image isn't male and female? Did you think about that? So is, is female lesser than male? Is male lesser than female? No, they're both a part of who God is. And they're both needed. I'll tell you, as a husband, I desperately need the female in my life, my, my partner, my wife. This is something that we really that our culture really really challenges and many of other cultures are even more difficult than American culture. So as we reflect on this just a couple points because God created us we're not here by accident we have purpose. There is significance for us. We have value. And the second thing is is that because God created us, and he's the one that set this all in motion, unless we are in relationship with him, we're drifting. We are disoriented. We don't really know our purpose and can't know our purpose until we come into relationship with the one who wired us, the one who created us. And if you're, not, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, or you're listening online and you don't know the Lord, this is a perfect day to say, I want to know my creator. I want to be connected to him. I want to enter into a relationship with God, the God who created me. So I want to just stop and pray real, real quick here, and then we'll move on and wrap things up. God, I pray for anybody who's here this morning or listening and watching the video. If they don't personally know you, maybe they know a lot about you, maybe they even grew up in church, but if they have never personally connected with you and can say, like Thomas did, my Lord and my God, I pray that right now they would say yes to you. They would say, God, I want to know you. Jesus, you came from God to show me the Father. You came from God to be the sacrifice to pay for my sins so that I could be forgiven and come into a relationship with the living God and become his child, his son or his daughter. So, Father, I pray if there's anybody here that's praying that prayer this morning, God, that you would do a mighty work in their life. And we just thank you for these powerful truths in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, as, as we kind of just wrap this up, I got there's a few more questions. I don't think we're going to cover all of them because there's so many. But um, as you look at your group, look at one another, let's take a look at some of these. What's the next one, Dale? What stood out to you from this session? So talk to one another. What stood out to you? What really are you going to take home today? Okay, let's go to the next question. 
These next two questions are kind of related. What makes you feel valued as a person? And the, the question right after that is, what experience have you had that made you feel devalued when you were maybe growing up or even recently? So this whole idea of value is really important. I'll give you a few minutes on that question because that's what makes you feel valued and what has maybe challenged that and made you wanted to make you feel devalued. If you have already answered the questions, you can look at the app and go down to the next question and talk about it as a group if you're fast. Okay, this next question is related to what we just talked about. How does knowing that you were created in God's image Refute any feelings of inferiority or insignificance that you may have had and been dealing with. How does knowing and getting a handle on the fact that God created me, how does that confront inferiority, insignificance? Okay, we're going to wrap it up now. Just, just a few more questions, and um, I'm just going to read these questions and let you think about them. We're going to keep going and close up in just a moment. If you are married, what will you do next to invest in the health of your relationship in light of these scriptures that God created your spouse with a value and a purpose and, and an amazing design? How will you invest in the health of your marriage? If you're single, how are you embracing that season, your calling in that season, in an energizing and a healthy way? And if you're single again, which means you've been divorced or widowed, and you know there are many, many people in our congregation that have been widowed, how have you been trusting the Lord to walk with you in this season of your life? So those are things not so much to talk about, but to meditate on and to maybe answer before the Lord. And you can do that taking the app home. 
with you or the paper if you don't have a, have a smartphone or weren't able to, to get the app on your phone yet. So people are uniquely created to bear God's image and partner with God in his mission on earth. That's what it means when he, the, the guy in the video used the term, God called us to govern. You've heard the, the word rule or rule over the earth or to steward, depending on your Bible translation. It's not called to rape and pillage the earth. It's not called to destroy the earth. It's not called to, uh, to abuse the earth. But we're called, mankind is called and originally called to govern the earth, to be like a, a farmer governing his property and his animals. He's covering, governing his ranch or his farm. And we look at the earth and the world around us today and we see, I mean, look at the Amazon rainforest thing where they just keep burning and selling off the timber and burning and, and all the problems that we are having with pollution and different things going on in our world today. Mankind hasn't done a great job of stewarding this world. But God calls you and me to steward the world. So this final question is, as you partner with God in his mission on earth, how will your career or your current role be impacted? Does that mean anything for you that you are now called to be a steward of the world you live in? So talk to your group about that one for a moment. And then we're going to take, we're going to pray and close in prayer. Let me give you a couple quick examples, then we're going to close in prayer. I was driving home yesterday, driving down our alley over to my garage, and we have these dumpsters, and one is a regular dumpster and one is a uh, grass and non-garbage dumpster. Both of them were full of cardboard and plastic bags. It's so frustrating because you know that, that the, the recycled dumpster is going to just sit there for months. But... I was driving down, and every dumpster's full of cardboard boxes. And we have uh, two places in our town where you can take and recycle, recycle cardboard. And Brooke and I, as part of trying to be stewards of our world, take our, our, our recyclables to the recycle place and drop them off. The other thing that we've chosen to do is try not to buy styrofoam, but rather buy paper products which can be recycled. And we've actually made that a policy for our church. We're not buying styrofoam cups anymore. We're buying paper cups. Because where does the styrofoam go? To the landfill. And it doesn't, it just sits there for a long, 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 long time. And those may seem like trivial examples. But, you know, if everybody did a little bit like that, it would make a big difference in our world. So I just want to encourage you to kind of let that mindset kind of increase 
within you. So this morning, I hope that this has been helpful. I know this is an adjustment, doing a little bit of a different model with more discussion. It doesn't really work well unless you get together with two or three other people and you talk and work through it together. And I really encourage you to do that. I'm seeing people get to know one another, get to know people that they didn't really know very well. And um, I think that's going to help us as a church family develop and grow in our, our relationships and our friendships. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. And then if anybody desires to uh, want to be prayed for, uh, for a healing need or any other need this morning, or wants to know the Lord or know the Lord better, just please come on up after the service. And we have some folks that would love to pray with you. So gracious Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And what you teach us, just even out at the very beginning, the first couple chapters of the Bible, Lord, you're teaching us about the fact that we have purpose, we have significance. There is, we are created with design. When we look at the way our bodies function, it's just incredibly complex and incredibly obvious that there, we have a designer. I thank you, Lord. That's the reason my brother, Greg, decided to become a believer is because he kept looking at things like the human eye and just said, this cannot have happened accidentally. This is not the result of random chances. Evolution may work to some degree, uh, microevolution, things like that, but it cannot answer the incredibly complex design we see in our universe, our world, and our bodies. Lord, I pray that the fact that we have been created would just really impact us and our sense of value and personal worth and identity. And that, Lord, we would realize that everything only makes sense when we are in relationship with you, continuing relationship with you, walking with you like Adam and Eve walked together in the garden. So, Lord, I just ask that today you would, you would just speak powerfully to us as well as our young people and our youth that will be discussing these things on Thursday. And we just thank you for this morning and for the power of your word. I pray you bless each one, Lord. And we just give you the rest of our day and our week now as we go in Jesus' name. Amen. So now there are four little devotions you can do if you have your app. If you need the app, you can come on up to me and, and right now, and I can help you get that going on your phone. But uh, you can do it on a laptop, too. But each of those daily devotions are very